friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 20, Sasha continues her discussion of her new book, Between Grit and Grace. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. It's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to encourage you, if you like the teaching that you get in this show and you want more of it, to check out the Masterclass. The Masterclass is a coaching intensive that I have put together for women. It's offered twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And I take a small group of women who I get to know on a one-on-one basis through a 12-week curriculum It takes about an hour of your time a week, which is not a lot. You can divide it up into two 30-minute sessions. And I'm telling you that it is life-changing. I have so many women reach out to me, and I wanted to share a testimony of what one of them shared with me this week. This is from my friend Darcy, and she wrote, if anyone here is considering the Brave Enough Masterclass, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's been life and career changing. After suffering through burnout, I have found clarity about who I am, what my goals are, and what I define as success for my life. I've gained skills, strategies, and the confidence to pursue what is best for me through personal change, boundary setting, and difficult conversations. I recommend this course to everyone who's anything less than 110% satisfied and fulfilled with their life. Wow. I was so humbled when she wrote that to me. I just, I can't even describe how good it felt to know that I have made a difference in sharing what I've learned through a hard time of my life with other women who have been able to overcome difficult burnout overwhelm, exhaustion, unsure of the next step, just feeling discontent in their life. It just makes me feel so good to know that putting together this curriculum is helping other women because my passion is teaching. I love teaching women how to invest in themselves. And in the masterclass, you're going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to teach you how to do that. It has to be intentional. It has to be a learned skill. So if you want to join us, I really want to encourage you to reach out to me because the next masterclass is going to start March 8th. And I want you to reach out. I'm going to have enrollment up until that date, but I probably will fill pretty soon. There's already, um, the class is already about two thirds filled. So please reach out to me if you're, if you're at all, just have any questions about it. There's no pressure. I can answer any questions you have and you can find me on becomebravenough.com. You can find out all about the masterclass and you can check it out on there. Okay. So today we're going to be diving into my new book between grit and grace the art of being feminine and formidable. And you can find this book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Target, any of the big vendors, you can find it. It's going to be released February 25th. So if you're listening, I think this episode's going to air after it comes out, but if not, go ahead and get your presale copy. And I have a book club I'm doing on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook and you want to join my book club and hear me talk about the book in a live event every week, I would love to have you join me there. Chapter three. Okay. (laughs) I called this chapter one of the boys not. Um, And the reason that I put this chapter in the book and why I talk about what it is like to be a woman versus a man in the workplace is because I pretty much lived the first 10 years of my career trying to be 
myself in the workplace, but emulate a man. And I didn't, it wasn't like I went to work every day and was like, I gotta be a, I gotta be guy-like, you know, I gotta be macho. I gotta be masculine. That actually wasn't at all in my thoughts. But what I didn't realize is that all of my leaders were men. All the people that I was working with in leadership were men and the people I looked up to were men. And my mentors were men. My sponsors were men because statistically in medicine, men are hold about 87% of upper leadership positions for physicians. And so in my world, everyone I look up to that I aspire to be was a man for years. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's actually, we need men to mentor women. And I, I do not believe that men cannot mentor women. I do not think that women cannot learn from men. I believe that, um, women can mentor men and vice versa. But the problem was that the way they moved through their work life and their home life was extremely different than the way I did. But I, I didn't recognize that, th- that this was leading to a problem with my internal, what I call work fit or work identity. So the times when I would need to assert myself, I would act like them, but I would get pushback and backlash. And the times that I wouldn't act like them and I would maybe take a different approach or maybe I would show my feelings, which is actually associated with emotional intelligence. <laughs> Do not be afraid to show your feelings. I would maybe cry with a patient or I would maybe um, talk about my kids or I would put my family first or I would have other responsibilities that were directly related to my family because I'm the mom. I felt a conflict. I felt I was being less than and I also would get backlash. So it was like, if I was being more, having more masculine traits, I would get backlash. If I would have more feminine traits, I would get backlash. Do you see the problem? Maybe this is you. Maybe you've experienced this if you're listening. And I think that there's something really valuable in this lesson that both men and women can learn because I honestly don't think men go to work every day and they're like, today we're going to keep the women down. (laughs) I just don't believe that. Do I think there's some misogynistic men in the workplace in every workplace? Absolutely. Have I experienced them? Absolutely. Do I have a chapter written for them in a future book? Absolutely. But today I'm talking about in general, I think most men in the workplace want to support women, but we act and we move in what our experiences are, are very different. And I think when we come to an understanding of this, we can actually improve our relationships in the workplace. So I'm going to read to you a little bit about this chapter and how it kind of came to me in my year of the desert when I was burned out and trying to rebuild myself, that this identity crisis I was experiencing was really feeding a lot of my stress. The essential truth I learned through this difficult challenge was that I had been measuring myself by a metric I could never reach, being a man. I was trying to emulate something I could never become, nor should I desire to. God made me a woman. Instead of limiting myself in my own mind because I was not a man, I had to start accelerating myself internally because I was a woman. The problem was I had built a successful career for over a decade, unaware I was trying to emulate and strive to achieve success as a man. 
I had many great role models, but the majority in leadership with whom I worked day to day were men. I had measured the success of my attributes based on how similar they were to my male role models. And the truth is my leadership style, my communication style, and my problem solving skills may or may not look like my male role models. My ability to collaborate, my tone of voice, and my writing may or may not sound like my male colleagues. I may possess some foundational characteristics of my male leaders, but they were just that, characteristics of being a good leader, not necessarily characteristics of being a man. My choices, my work ethic, and my style were my own, and I had to start believing there was room for all of me at the top, not half of me, the half that was similar to my male colleagues, but all of me, the feminine attributes, the voice, the way I managed my time, even the way I dressed, all of me. One of the most incredible things about human beings is that we are completely unique. Essentially, billions of different women and men live on earth. Thus, there are billions of versions of women, each unique with characteristics, strengths, likes, and dislikes. While patterns of traits differ between women and men, the expression of those traits is unique to a number of one. I love this. So I want to give you some challenge today and some hope (laughs) to think about your unique attributes and the way that you have been designed to lead in your communities, in your homes, in your workspaces, in your friendships, in your relationships, projects, passions you have, things that only you can make people laugh the way you do. And I want you to think about the construct of how you are in the workplace, because it's probably there's probably part of you that you don't feel you can be in the workplace. And I'm not talking about unprofessional behavior. I'm talking about acting in a professional manner. Even then, do you put hedges around your personality? Or as my friend Lori always says, you know, do you put spanks on your personality? Do you put hedges around who you truly are because you're afraid that those attributes, whether you're displaying what are you know, commonly considered masculine attributes or feminine attributes are going to hurt you in some way. And why are you, who are you comparing yourself to? Because most of the time when we're looking at the way we lead, we're comparing ourselves to someone. We all do this. I do this every day. I'll sit in a meeting and think, well, how does my boss lead this meeting? Or how would my friend lead this meeting? Or how would this other colleague I know lead this meeting? Instead of thinking how Sasha should lead it and how Sasha's going to lead it. And it's maybe going to be a little different and that's okay. So I think that we have to really look at ourselves and recognize that Only we have the ability to kind of push the margin, so to speak, of grit and grace. And just close your eyes and think about pushing your elbows out. And on one side is grit. And on one side is grace. And you're going to kind of bust through those stereotypes that you may even have of yourself in the workplace. I know so many times I've heard this described about women in leadership by other women or men. Well, she's really a good leader, but man... I wouldn't want to be married to her or, you know, she's a really strong woman and I look up to her, but I would never be her friend because she's not nice. And every time I hear this described about a woman in power, my heart just kind of, it just hurts me. It hurts me for that woman because I think to myself, number one, there's a reason she's guarded. There's a reason there's a hedge around her. There's a reason she may come off cold to you because she has had to work to get to a position where society has said, this is how she has to be. 
she may ha- not have a choice to get to be you know, friendly with other women because maybe she has experienced like this syndrome of being a queen bee where she feels like she has to keep her guard up because she was in a area or a generation of, of acceleration into leadership where there were so few openings for women. Or maybe it's a perception that's not actually who she is. Maybe she's extremely isolated and she would love a friend, but nobody ever approaches her because she's isolated or maybe just the fact because that she can lead a boss meeting and she can, she can really make quick decisions and she could be authoritative and assertive and assertive doesn't mean that she's not an extremely approachable and kind person who probably you would love to get to know and enjoy. So I tend to really step back from those comments and I think of them so differently now, which means I approach people differently because I myself have experienced that leadership backlash or that social backlash. Or, you know, how many times do you think, do you hear like, wow, you know, Linda is normally really nice, but today she was really, you know, kind of bossy in the OR. Well, newsflash, Linda is the boss. (laughs) Maybe Linda was saving a life and she had to be bossy. Maybe actually Linda is a physician. If she's in the room or she's the nursing manager or whatever position she's in, maybe she's actually owning her authority. And we're not used to that because perhaps day to day, she doesn't embrace that. Maybe she should. So I think that when we really think about these gender stereotypes and how we interact with each other in the workplace, it opens up our eyes to our own biases that we have either against our own personality, think about that for a minute, or others. And when we give ourselves grace to kind of bust open the margin with their elbows, guess what? We allow other people to be their authentic self as well. Let me read a little more from the book. But this is talking about what I'm really passionate about, which is encouraging you to spend time with yourself, encouraging and teaching women, not just encouraging, but teaching women how to actually invest in yourself, which is a skill. And so I'm writing about it in this area of chapter three. You have to be in this space and sit in it for a while to be able to understand your authentic self. Each of us has strengths, unique traits, and original ideas that no one else can match. So often, however, we lose sight of our greatest strengths because of two main reasons. Number one, we start down the path meant for someone else. And number two, we become so fatigued trying to overcome obstacles and walk in the narrow margin of that path that we simply have no energy to go a different direction. If you find yourself there, be glad. That's right. Get excited. Why? Because it likely means you're ready, ready to dive deep, ready to toss the layers and layers of expectations and feelings of inadequacy aside and ready to get real. When I first began to share my own experience of being in this space with other women, I realized I regularly needed courage. I needed to be brave enough. (laughs) a little dose of courage each day to remove the expectations of others and figure out what leading my own life meant. I started my own company brave enough as a response to so many women telling me, Sasha, I too am in that space and I don't know how to get out of it. I want to encourage you. If you are in that space, I want to give you some teaching pearls it is very good to come to a a place in your life where you don't feel good and don't feel right about yourself because so many people don't get to that space until they've either developed um, a negative uh, 
behavior. They are relying on substances. They're having a relationship meltdown. They have lost something in their life. So if you are reading this and you're just feeling like, man, I am really beat up, I'm glad. I'm actually glad because it means that you're ready to make a change. So many people go through life never living as their authentic true self, never pursuing their passion, never getting to to display in the workplace their real ideas and innovation, which are fruit of their authentic self. And so if you're, and they, or they just go through life exhausted and tired and living up to everyone else's expectations. So if you're in this kind of place where maybe you're even listening and you're struggling to even listen to this podcast, maybe you're shedding some tears, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're listening on a walk, maybe you're listening as you do some work. I want to encourage you to really get real with yourself. I have internal checklists in the book for this because I want you to stop and pause and think about it. And the first thing is be grateful because it means that you've been led to a place where you can stop and change who you are and change the actions that you're taking or your priorities that you're living to get back to the real you, the path back to you, the healthiest version of you, not your best life, but the healthiest version of you. I don't even know what your best life is. People say this all the time. They're like, live your best life. I think, what does that even mean? I mean, there's, there's real life happens. Okay. Somebody vomits in your bed at three in the morning or your car breaks down or you make an error at work or you screw up a transaction or you hurt somebody's feelings or someone gets ill or you lose someone. Okay. This is real life. What is also, what is most important is leaving living to me your healthiest life and, and living your priorities. I think that God gives us a calling to our priorities. And to me, I know what mine are. They're specific to each person. And I think that when we stop and recognize that we are actually in a bad place, that is a gift because so often people don't even realize they're in a bad place or they are, they know they're in a bad place, but they don't have time and they don't make the time to stop. So if you're listening today and this is you, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to go out and buy the book and go through the exercises in the book. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. I did. I learned, I thought I had it all figured out when I was writing the book and when I wrote the book proposal. And then when I actually wrote the book, I pro- I got up every Saturday and Sunday morning early um, and committed to hours. That was the time to write because I work full time and I have kids. So I knew I had to do it on the weekend. Let me tell you, every time I got up to write for you, I went internal and shed tears. In fact, my husband was like, I don't know that I've ever seen you cry as much as you're writing. You're crying again. You must be writing your book. Why are you crying? Um, And it's because I was forced to do an evaluation of myself each time. And I want to encourage you and give you hope that there's, you can change your priorities and the way that you live your life. You can. You can be who you truly are and overcome the backlash. Doesn't mean you're going to not experience it sometimes. You can find people to support you and you can show grace to yourself and others. And it's an amazing thing when we actually give ourselves solitude and time alone as a source of rest to reflect on our internal self. I can't stress it enough. It's where peace lives. 
Peace does not live in success or achievement or money or power or possessions. It lives when we actually spend time with ourselves, and we understand who we truly are to be and we live as our healthiest selves, spiritually, physically, mentally. Takes effort, takes time. Just like you have to go to the gym every day, it takes time to be with yourself and reflect and really commune. So I want to encourage you if you're listening and you're like, oh, this was heavy. This was stressful. It's too much. I don't, I don't have time for this. Actually, you, you need to make time. So if you liked what you listened to, to today, um, please go out and buy the book and, and share it on Amazon um, or buy the book on Amazon, share on social media, send me an email. If, even if you don't want to post on social media, I would love to hear what you think about the book. I'm, I, would, I would totally love to hear. So please give me some feedback or post, tell your friends about it. Maybe there's a friend that really needs to hear this message. You're listening and maybe you're doing okay. You're in a good place, but maybe a friend needs this message. Purchase the book for her, give it to her reach out and give it to her. So now I'm going to move on to my favorite thing of the week. Okay. I live in Nebraska and it is cold here. <laughs> so a bunch of women in one of my master classes sent me this amazing blanket. It was after I lost my grandmother and I was, um, grieving her and they sent me this amazing blanket and the sweetest note. And let me tell you this blanket, I've now purchased this blanket for my friends because it's such an amazing gift. It is the barefoot dreams blanket. Apparently they also have like ponchos I've seen people wearing, which I can only imagine are equally as amazing, but this throw blanket is so soft and warm and wonderful. And I'm not like a really a big, you know, throw blanket person, you know, you, you see them as decor, but I'm telling you like this blanket is phenomenal. It just is such a cozy blanket and it washes well. It stays well. It's just a really nice, heavy, but yet breathable blanket and it will keep you so warm. So I'm going to link to it. I think it's really pretty and it's a really great gift to give somebody. So if you're like thinking of somebody for Valentine's day or maybe a birthday or mother's day present, get in this blanket. I mean, my husband and I fight over it. It's kind of funny. So that is my tip of the week. And I just want to encourage all of you to live brave. This has been an HSG production. 